between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow. Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're on Friday's edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. What a week, what a week. What a week, what a world. So, you know, I'm I'm going to open today's show talking about what went on in Portland last night. I wish it would calm down. I wish I didn't have to talk about it, but... This is a news show and, uh, you know, news and commentary, and I have to comment on the number one story. Seattle or uh, Portland last night, they had 2,000 people turn out, and apparently that is a, a much larger crowd than normal. You know, they really haven't been reporting any numbers, I, I suppose, because uh, in reality, those numbers are rel- relatively small. Whenever, uh, you know, a, a, a conservative or right-wing group has a rally. Of course, they try to minimize the attendance and they reported immediately, but they were uh, bragging last night that they had about 2000 people show up at outside the, the, uh, Hatfield courthouse in downtown Portland. And, um, and apparently that is, uh, the biggest crowd yet. What I'm wanting to know is, uh, do the majority of Portlanders agree with these Antifa thugs backed up by their elected mayor tearing down their city and ruining their quality of life. There's 653,000 people in Portland. Why has nobody asked them if they approve of their city being turned into the poster boy of uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa lunacy? It would be pretty easy to do a poll. I know they can cheat on these polls, but I've got a feeling that uh, the overwhelming number of Portlanders uh, wish wishes this shit would go away. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you got Ted Wheeler out there playing to uh, this crowd. And I think he's, he's up for re-election next year. And uh, we're going to get to see whether or not uh, the vast majority of the law-abiding citizens in Portland, Oregon, agree with this stuff. I've got a feeling this guy is going to be looking for another job in uh, in December 2021. 
Another thing I'm wondering about is, do these riders really understand what they're doing? I know they're, you know, out there LARPing. They're doing live action role playing games. To this, to them, this is all fun and games. They're cosplaying, dressing up in black, and putting, um, you know, helmets on, and uh, thinking of themselves as as uh, militants and revolutionaries. <laughs> I think they're actually having fun. I actually think that the DS, DHS agents are probably enjoying themselves too, um, engaging in this uh, you know sort of simulated um, revolution. But these uh, these kids, I don't know if they realize that they're committing serious felonies, and they're committing se- serious felonies on video. The uh, the, the the whole confrontation has sort of settled down now that the uh the dhs officers have surrounded the courthouse with this uh, heavy duty fencing and it's finally uh reinforced enough to where the antifas can't tear it down easily they will uh occasionally breach the fence and then they'll come pouring through while the agents are inside but uh, the agents have cameras on the outside so as soon as enough of these Antifas get through the breach in the fence. The agents pour out and grab a few of them and drag them back into the courthouse. And that's what I'm talking about. I don't think these idiots know the consequences of what they're doing. They're violating um, 18 U.S. Code Chapter 115, treason, arson, sedition, and subversive activities. The penalty for that is five to 20 years in jail. And when you're participating in a riot, breaching a security fence, going inside and doing damage to a federal courthouse, you are a domestic terrorist. And, uh, you know, you're not going to have this Soros funded district attorney in King County. No, it's um, I'm not sure what county Portland's in, but the Mammoth, uh, Mahomet County, something like that. But uh, that that Soros-funded DA is not going to be there to take care of them, and uh, these federal judges are are not going to take kindly to them trying to burn down a federal courthouse. And uh, these rioters are too stupid to realize that this fence is protecting them from arrest by these DHS agents because, you know, they're lobbing Molotov cocktails and frozen water bottles and all of this over the fence. But the fence is protecting them from uh, DHS agents getting to them just as much as it's protecting the courthouse from the rioters. I don't even understand how the federal courthouse became a target for Antifa. I guess I do. You know, they're anarchists in any um, symbol of authority they're going to try to attack. But the federal agents aren't responsible for killing any of the unarmed black suspects last year that by the way only totaled nine and six of those were trying to take a police officer's weapon these guys these uh these antifa kids are going to be in for a rude awakening when uh when they're you know being locked up in a federal penitentiary for at least five years they're out there in the streets uh, i they're partying. They're a hateful bunch of partiers, but they're having a good time. 
And this Democrat rhetoric uh, that that is being leveled against these uh, federal law enforcement officers is so hateful and irresponsible. It is astounding. Right up and uh, to the Speaker of the House of Representatives calling federal law enforcement officers stormtroopers, other elected congressmen calling them Nazis and Gestapo and secret police accusing them of kidnapping. When you're arresting somebody, you're not, and you're in uniform, clearly uh, labeled with insignia, you're not secret police. <laughs> and they're not kidnapping them, they're arresting them. But Ted Wheeler is going to have to face these uh, these voters in uh, in Portland next year, and I don't think it's going to come out too well. Here he is uh, appealing to uh, the rioters as if he believes, at least, that they are uh, you know his constituents that he will need to be reelected. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you all for being here, and I want to start by answering the question. I'm going to start by answering the question. I will. The reason I'm here tonight is to stand with you no matter what. I'm going to stand with you no matter what. Even as you're booing me and throwing water on me and shooting me the bird. And then shortly after this, of course, he went out and, and saw firsthand the biggest arson attacks on the federal courthouse to date, and then walked away saying, saying this. not going to lie. It stings. It's hard to breathe. And um, I can tell you with 100% honesty, I saw nothing that provoked this response. It's nasty stuff. I saw nothing that provoked tear gas while they, uh, the rioters were trying to burn down the courthouse. You know, these kids, uh, a lot of them are college educated, but they don't have any degrees that are, or, or make them employable. They don't have jobs now, partly because of the, uh, the virus. I don't think any of them are having sex. They're so-called incels. And they've got empty lives because they don't even have any family or kids or, you know, anything other than this Marxist ideology that's been infected, that they've been infected with while they were at college. They are getting $600 a week from Uncle Sam, so I guess they can, they can go out and role play uh, all night and then sleep all day in their mommy's basements. They sound, if you listen to them, they remind you for all the world like adolescent children rebelling against their permissive dad. I guess that would be Ted Wheeler. It was even when Ted Wheeler tells them how much he loves them and how much he wants the best for them. They're out there shooting him the bird and, and telling F you, I guess the governor of Washington would be their mommy, Kate Brown. <laughs> They're both bad parents, bad parents, encouraging negative, you know, bad behavior, not not uh, giving their children any uh, any truth that you know you're, you're 
if you continue along this path, you're headed for jail. Hey, we're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at the newest poll. It's a Rasmussen poll, and it's good news for Trump right after this message. Mojo. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So I've been saying that uh, the reason that the Democrats have activated this Black Lives Matter movement is because uh, they saw that Trump was making uh, serious inroads into the black voting bloc that they rely on, they're totally dependent on, in order to be elected. And uh, there was a poll out from Rasmussen yesterday that supports that theory. It was a, 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 a poll of likely black voters, not just, you know, black people who have, uh, historically a lower voter turnout, but likely black voters and Donald Trump's job approval rating among these black voters is now 40%. And uh, just over, uh, just under 30, 29% say that they intend to vote for Trump. Now, you know, the Republicans and Donald Trump are not going to win anything close to a majority of the black vote in 2020 because these people have been so uh, brainwashed to victimhood. And if you declare yourself a victim, of course, you there has to be an oppressor. And they've uh, they've convinced blacks that. Uh, the Republican Party is the oppressor just through repetition. They'd never give any examples or point to anything, but, you know, just racist, racist, racist. But the truth is, you know, Trump doesn't have to win anything close to a majority of the black vote to absolutely consign the Democrat Party to the dustbin. If he just wins 20% of the black vote, he is guaranteed to take the white house. And if he wins 25% of the black vote, which is easily within his reach, according to this new Rasmussen poll, he will win both a, a popular vote and an electoral college landslide. Similar to what Richard Nixon did after the last, uh, major civil unrest in this country. You know, what's really wild is, uh, this poll shows that, um, Likely black voters now support Trump more after this recent rioting than they did before. And here's, here's the kicker. Likely black American voters support Trump more than they do the left. So, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to get, 40% of the vote, but he, he's going to do quite well, I believe. 
And even, you know, even if, um, even if blacks just decide to stay home, decide that, you know, they can't vote for Trump, but they certainly can't vote for old Joe Biden. Old you ain't black Joe Biden. And they rely on that big turnout. I, I don't think it's going to happen. We'll, we're going to have to see. So last night was opening night for Major League Baseball. And uh, the Yankees were playing the Washington Nationals. And every single player and coach out there knelt down before the National Anthem. They didn't do it during the National Anthem, which I guess is an improvement. But every every one of them knelt and it was odd to watch because a lot of them didn't take a knee as they like to say they took both knees they were in a full out kneeling and and they bowed their heads at the same time so it was a disgusting spectacle i didn't watch the game i i knew that this was going to happen and i would, didn't want to put myself through it but i i watched the clips so about half of them are taking a knee on one knee with their head down, and the other half were down on both knees with their head down. I never in my life thought I would see the day when grown American men with all of the blessings bestowed upon them would be bowing down to Marxists, and that's exactly what they're doing. The Black Lives Matter movement is a Marxist organization. Everybody should know that by now. There weren't any fans in the stands. If there had been, the the chorus of boos would have been deafening. But Major League Baseball is now all in on Black Lives Matter. MLB for BLM. MLB for BLM. That Black Lives Matter organization didn't just spring up this year. They were responsible for the assassination of over a dozen police officers in the aftermath of the Ferguson riots. And to see the professional sports be taken in to the point where they've actually got their players kneeling and bowing before the Black Lives Matter movement is sickening to watch. And it's it's stupid uh, financially as well. I mean, professional sports is driven by money. So try to wrap your mind around this. Having lost over a billion dollars in the live attendance gates in this abbreviated season, now these geniuses at MLB have decided to to drive down their their remaining source of income and that is TV ratings by kneeling and bowing before Black Lives Matter and rubbing their fans uh rubbing Black Lives Matter into their fans' face. You know what I think that the 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 masters of baseball don't understand is Baseball isn't about the players. Baseball fans don't get bogged down, you know, and and uh, and idolize these players. Some of them are quite skilled, obviously. But baseball fans are there for the game, not the players. They love the game. And if these players want to act a fool, 
fans will, you know, just stop coming. The tickets are too expensive. The parking is too expensive. The concessions are too expensive. There's really no reason to go out there except, you know, for to support your home team. You can watch college baseball. It's it, at least as entertaining, I think, more so. And if the college players decide they want to bow before Black Lives Matter, well, hell, we'll just go watch high school or Little League. We don't need these idiots. Dr. Fauci. (laughs) I know most of you have seen this throughout the first pitch. And oh my God, to, to call, to say that he throws like a girl is an insult to little girls who throw way better than that. This guy obviously has never thrown a baseball or any other kind of ball in his life. Looked like he was trying to uh, swipe a gnat away from in front of his face. He just went right, right across ball ended up about halfway between home plate and the first, first base. It was embarrassing to say the least, not only because he was so far off, he was, he was even further off the plate than Barack Obama was. But, I mean, what's really amazing is why, why was he out there doing this to begin with? He, he's no, no, uh, nobody to be celebrated. His leadership on the coronavirus response has been about as effective and polished as his, his pitching was. He's been off base on, on that as well. <laughs> oh my God. I was just looking at it again. I, I, I wish this was video sometimes so you could see this, but, uh, you've probably already seen it. The Washington Redskins who have, you know, banished the name announced yesterday that they're going to, uh, henceforth until they come up with something better, be known as the Washington football team. Well, that's uh, that's offensive. George Washington, the father of our country, uh, owned slaves. He gave them their freedom when he died, but uh, he 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 was a slave owner. Despite what Joe Biden said yesterday, that uh, we've never elected a racist president before. The very first president was uh, a slave owner. I think that qualifies as racist, old Joe. The Washington football team. They're going to have to get rid of that Washington part of the the title, too. They can be the D.C. Kneelers, the D.C. Invertebrates, the D.C. Worms. And it's just disgusting to be uh, lectured to by these uh, these professional athletes, all of whom have big Nike sponsorships. While Nike, you know, produces their products with slave labor, they want to lecture us about how Black Lives Matter and how uh, how we're a bunch of racists. Yeah, there were a bunch of uh, uh, presidents that were slave owners. Each and every one of them, by the way, were Democrats. Uh, Louis Gohmert introduced a resolution in the House of Representatives yesterday to ban the Democrat Party. As long as we're, you know, in the midst of this cancel culture, we're tearing down statues of former slave owners, including George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. 
why does the Democrat Party continue to be allowed to exist when they were the party of slavery? They were the party of segregation and Jim Crow. We need to cancel the Democrat Party. I think that's something we could all get behind. That's the kind of warfare that the Republicans need to be carrying on. Bring up a motion. Do like uh, Newt Gingrich used to do and uh, and, and just uh, go to those, uh, those sessions where you can stand and talk and expound on that. It was the Democrat Party that needs to be canceled. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Eric Eggers, and we're going to talk about the Democrat voter fraud and what we can expect in November, right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. When, when governments, state governments, start adopting uh, these practices like mail-in ballots that open the floodgates of potential f- fraud, uh, then people's confidence in the outcome of the election is going to be undermined. And that could take the country to a very dark place if we... For politics in Colorado for five years. Well, that was Bill Barr, the attorney general, expressing concern about mail-in voting schemes being implemented by blue state governors across the country, including in many critical swing states. Now we're hearing a blizzard of talking points coming from Democrats saying that if Trump doesn't quickly submit to the results of these mail-in ballots, that the military should remove him from office. To talk about this and the many ways Democrats engage in voter fraud, we're joined now by Eric Eggers. He's an investigative reporter for Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute, and author of the book Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. You can get that book at Voter Fraud. Let me spell it, uh, say it correctly, VoterFraudBook.com. That's VoterFraudBook.com. Edgar's uh, last name is spelled E-G-G-E-R-S. Eric, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure, Jim. Glad to be here. 
Well, the Democrats' constant refrain any time anybody expresses concerns over the sanctity of elections is that there's no evidence of significant voter fraud. Is that true? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, in fact, that's why I wrote the book. At, as you noted, I work with Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute. And so, you know, what we like to do is we like to, you know, let the facts lead us to what the story actually is. And so we'd always heard these myths about the idea that, oh, voter fraud is a myth. You know, you hear these, these claims that, and you just repeated it. So we actually undertook a study back in uh, 2017. We said, okay, well, let's see what, what we can do. So we did an analysis of about 30 states' worth of voter rolls. We grabbed all the, the voter rolls from the ballots that were actually cast in the 2016 election, and then we hired a data scientist, and then we uh, cross-referenced those with all the commercial databases you might use for to detect credit card, credit card fraud, things like that. And so uh, this is an analysis, a way just to make sure, okay, let's see what the data tells us. And what we found, Jim, was astonishing. We found tens of thousands of instances of double voting. And in the state of Florida alone, where I live, we found over 2,100 instances of double voting, meaning someone in Florida cast a ballot and then cast a second ballot in a different state. And more people did that in 2016 than was the margin of victory in a presidential election in this century, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners remember from 2000. So right away we said, okay, like that's enough evidence right there to tell us that voter fraud can exist and does exist uh, in, a, in a scale large enough to swing an election. And so that's what prompted me to begin an investigation that ultimately led to the book to say, all right, what are the ways in which this happens? Why does this happen? What are the vulnerabilities in the system? Who keeps fighting for those vulnerabilities? And uh, yeah, as I document in the book, I uncovered many, many other instances of systems that make our elections very ripe for fraud. And, um, and sadly, it's happening a lot. Well, as a matter of fact, the last election, the presidential election in 2016, was decided by just 80,000 votes, and that was spread across three states, including Pennsylvania and Michigan. And we know that uh, the Democrat machine in Philadelphia and Detroit is, is kind of notorious for voter fraud. You couldn't be more correct, as I'm sure you know and as I'm sure your listeners may have seen. I mean, you saw a Philadelphia elections judge just a couple of months ago prosecuted by the Department of Justice for literally stuffing the ballot, right? I mean, this is a guy, it's almost cartoonish. He waited until the elections observers left, and then he went to the, the polling place and literally shoved as many ballots as he could in there. He took money for it. Apparently, this is something he'd been doing for local candidates for a long time. I mean, that's just one example of things that happened in Philadelphia. In the book, I talk about other curious examples. The state of Pennsylvania's Secretary of State actually resigned after the 2016 election because they found documented evidence of illegal immigrants uh, casting ballots. So, like, we know there's problems in Pennsylvania. And as you noted, Detroit, remember, uh, Donald Trump won the state of Michigan in 2016 by less than 11,000 votes. And uh, recently you saw Michigan's new Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, send out absentee ballot request forms to every registered voter in Michigan. It's actually sort of a step down from what California's Governor Gavin Newsom had done, in which he said he's going to send every California resident. Just going to airdrop them out of a helicopter onto the state. That's, that's right. Yeah, be careful. Like, watch out for flying ballots. But right. in, in Michigan, what makes that very concerning, and, you know, and I raised this issue uh, at the time, is that you know, Donald Trump won that state. So, so like, the state was won by less than 11,000 votes. Well, in the city of Detroit alone, as a lawsuit filed just last year pointed out, the city of Detroit alone has more than 30,000 more registered voters than citizens of legal voting age in that city. So, like, voter roll bloat is a significant problem. I think there's over 300 counties in this country 
with more registered citizens, uh, more registered voters than people who should legally be allowed to vote that live in those cities. Uh, the Supreme Court has cited these statistics, right? This is not new. The Supreme Court cited a, a Pew Center study that said, hey, there's 24 million ballots. That's one in eight. This was as of 2012 that are completely wrong or significantly inaccurate. So I mean, this is the problem when you see these efforts to just in the name of accessibility, and obviously in the coronavirus time, we're all having to make hard choices, but in the name of accessibility, when we're sending everybody a ballot, it's documented that people that shouldn't be getting one will get them. Well, and, I remember. Uh, and when you, Go ahead. Well, I was just going to point out that, and when you're talking about margins as small as the ones we saw in 2016, you know, I think it's right to raise that concern. Well, I remember in the aftermath of, uh, of the election, Jill Stein demanded a recount in the state of Michigan. Uh, she was being pushed toward it, and then they found out there were a lot of fraudulent ballots coming out of Detroit and uh, uh, for the Democrats, and she promptly uh, dropped her, her challenge uh, right after that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm from Atlanta. That's where I uh, cut my political teeth. And I have seen firsthand voter fraud uh, where uh, and, and people don't understand that when you're in a strong Democrat city, not only do they control the political machinery, they also control the machinery at these polling places. And most of these uh, ballot or these uh, poll workers are, in fact, Democrat operatives. So if they're, you know, wanting to just, you know, steal elections, they're perfectly uh, able to do that. It, it happened as well down in uh, Broward County, Florida, in this last gubernatorial election down here, where the Broward County election supervisor was trying to hold out and keep counting ballots until she could push the Democrat candidate uh, over the top. And, uh, and the state had to step in and, uh, and take control of that situation. No, you're exactly right. And I talk about Broward, Broward County uh, and their uh, highly controversial secretary of uh, you know, supervisor of elections in the book significantly. And what was really interesting is actually in the gubernatorial election in 2018, as they were doing these challenges, like we know because there was so much scrutiny because these things were so close for, for both the Senate seat and the governor's race that we know illegal immigrants cast ballots that were counted in 2018. Uh, and we know that there was an effort to do so. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned the thing about Atlanta because, um, you know, as, as you as you saw, the, the long lines in their recent election were actually counted as voter suppression, right? And, and this is always the tension. Anytime you try to increase election security, the charge is, well, you're trying to suppress the vote, which can be conflated with, you know, racial intentions. Right. Um, but as you just pointed out, and I think this is the thing that people miss when they just when they see long lines of people trying to vote in cities like Atlanta. Well, who's in charge of elections in Atlanta? You know, it's not Republicans. So, um, so if, if the vote's being suppressed because of the challenges with implementing new technology, um, it's only actually because the people that are in charge of those systems have made those choices. And in that case, they were they were the Democrats. Well, in the last two mayoral cycles in Atlanta, uh, Mary Norwood, I believe, was cheated out of it both times when the the ballots just kept coming in and coming in. Nobody knew from where or why it was delayed in coming in. They they figured out how many votes they need to uh, to overcome the margin, and then they just uh, keep pouring ballots in until uh, you know they don't stop counting until they win. I, you touched on uh, illegal alien voting and. There's an issue there where, uh, as a result of the expansion of so many of these government programs under the Obama administration, uh, every time one of these applications was mailed out to illegal aliens, it was also accompanied by a uh, so-called motor voter registration 
and required that the illegal alien actually declare himself illegal instead of declaring himself as a legal citizen eligible to vote. Otherwise, he would be mailed a ballot. And that's uh, that's been the case in uh, in California, in New York, and New Jersey. Has anybody ever done a deep dive to figure out just how many illegal aliens are voting and and if uh, if there's any way of expose or um, uh, identifying those people after the ballots are cast? Yeah, it's a very important question you raise, not only specifically with the, the topic of you know illegal alien or non-citizen voting, but even more generally, like how do we know that our elections are secure, and and how can we quantify? Uh, I mean, why, why do we hear that voter fraud is not a very uh, common occurrence? It's because we're not really looking for it, right? And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because the people that administer the elections, like their job is to administer you know, free and fair elections, and it's not in their best interest to come back and say, hey, guys, actually we messed up. There's like millions of illegal immigrants that voted in that last election. There have been academic studies that have suggested anywhere from 3 to 8 million illegal immigrants are registered to vote and can vote and have voted in previous presidential elections, Donald Trump was sort of criticized for citing some of those stud- studies, but it was an old Dominion uh, University study. So, um, you know, it's a very controversial thing. What I uncovered in the book, that was really interesting, is that, uh, yeah, there's lots of vulnerabilities in the system. So, as you noted, because of motor voter law, when you go to get a driver's license, right, you can register to vote at that time. And um, the only thing that keeps a non-citizen from not registering to vote at that time is if they check the box that says, I'm not a legal citizen, right? Or I'm not a, uh, yeah, I'm not a, an actual citizen who's eligible and, to vote. And you can understand the reluctance to do that. And that was changed, you know, to, to make them have to affirmatively declare themselves uh, ineligible to vote instead of having to claim that they are in, uh, they are in fact eligible to vote. I mean, right. And so that, so the only person standing in between, right, uh, this non-citizen and the ballot box is a DMV employee who was actually sort of forbidden by law from offering a lot of guidance. Uh, there's several instances in the book in which that's happened. And actually the secretary of state's office, like couldn't give the appropriate guidance to some of these people that were raising these questions, uh, at the DMV office, or in some cases, the, um, the illegal aliens themselves. Plus, adding to the confusion is that in many cities or a handful of cities that are run by Democrats, like uh, Chicago, San Francisco, it's actually legal for non-citizens to be able to vote in local and municipal elections, right? And then so, you know, part of the reason why we started casting this as this larger overarching effort, uh, the head of the DNC, Tom Perez, you know, before he became head of the DNC and before he worked in the Obama Justice Department, he worked for a group that was uh, similar to ACORN, but it's it, out of the state of Maryland called Casa de Maryland. And their biggest advocacy was for the expansion of non-citizen voting. I don't know if you knew this, Jim. I didn't. But there's cities in Maryland that have allowed non-citizen voting because of the advocacy of Tom Perez's group since the 90s. So, I Are mean, they so given a separate to, ballot that only has the, the local elections that they have uh, it, determined that that aliens are allowed to vote in? Well, well, as you know, like there's primaries, right, where there's local elections are held. Not everything's on the same ballot. But, yeah, it, logistically, from an administrative standpoint, it's quite difficult. And then so you've got that. Plus you've got these groups that are going around, and their job is to round up as many people as possible to cast ballots. Uh, well, yeah, that's so exactly like, what I saw in Atlanta, Eric. They would send yeah. buses, school buses to uh to trailer parks i was a firefighter in atlanta i knew for a fact that those trailer parks were busting at the seams with uh, people in the country illegally newly arrived 
and I would see on election day these buses show up and just load everybody up and take them to the to the polls. Yeah, no, I mean that's what's really interesting to me is um, I mean part of the reason why they say voter fraud super rare is because they're legally kind of manipulating the the language and they're using what what we like to call an under inclusive definition, right? So voter fraud technically and legally is the impersonation of a legal voter by an illegal voter, right? But what you're just describing, somebody that's casting a ballot as a non-citizen that is registered to vote, they wouldn't count that as voter fraud, right? They might count that as election fraud. So there's a lot of kind of parsing the language and and kind of count math games with the definition. But the reality is, like, election fraud, voter fraud, has been ingrained in America's electoral history since the beginning, right? Democrat machines. Yeah, right? Like, like this is not new. Like, Tammany Hall is a thing, right? Dead people voting for JFK over Richard Nixon is a thing. Like, no one disputes that. But somehow we're to believe that now all of a sudden we've got it all cleaned up when our election uh, technology, by and large, remains antiquated. I mean, the sad fact is the United States is a third world nation in terms of election technology. you got, like, Lithuania is using blockchain technology to conduct parts of their elections. And we're over here holding magnifying glasses up to, you know, hanging Chad stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, it's comical. So I'm getting the feeling that uh, what the Democrats have in mind is to uh, to use their voter harvesting schemes in Orange County, California, where in 2018 they flipped every Republican district except, I believe, one in the Republican stronghold of Orange County to a Democrat. And uh, and they did that. You don't have to question whether or not they were engaged in illegality. You've got uh, videos, ring doorbell videos of these campaign workers showing up, asking for the ballot, not requesting that it be filled out, but just taking the ballot and, uh, and leaving. Um, so, you know, and, and now you see the same sort of schemes being implemented in Michigan where they're, uh, they're going to allow, you know, widespread mail-in ballots and in other swing states. And they're at the same time, they're declaring that if Donald Trump doesn't immediately accept the results on election night, which I don't even know if the, Results will be final on election night that uh, that he is an autocrat and that the Joint Chiefs of Staff have to step up and and uh, where's this clip? Um, This is Joe Biden saying what ought to happen if he doesn't quickly accept the results. Have you ever considered what would happen if the election results came out as you being the winner and Trump refused to leave? Yes, I have. I was so damn proud. You have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank and file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House with great dispatch. Now, that's third world rhetoric right there. That is, if I don't get my way, if uh, if Donald Trump doesn't, uh, you know, accept the results of these elections quickly, I'm going to call on the military to remove him. And, you know, with all of these schemes they're putting in place that you document so well in your book, it, it makes you wonder if we're not headed down that road. Yeah, no, I think you're right to be concerned. Um, I mean, here's the sad reality, though, and this is what I would say to anybody that says, oh, if the, if the results aren't, um, you know, kind of confirmed immediately. Uh, I mean, look at the primaries that have conducted the, you know, that seen massive expansions in the vote by mail, which I think is reasonably reasonable to assume will happen in the fall, right? I mean, Wisconsin was overwhelmed by the increase in mail-in ballots. Pennsylvania was overwhelmed by the increase in mail-in ballots. 
uh, it was like more than a week after the primary in Pennsylvania. That's just the primary turnout. Imagine an actual election. So I find it quite challenging to believe, and we're just being honest about it, um, to think that we will have anything resembling election results, unless it's just a total blowout one way or another, because if we see, if the pandemic remains uh, a concern for people and, and it causes people to increase uh, the vote by mail, which, you know, look, lots of people have been voting by mail. I, I don't have a problem with people voting by mail per se. I mean, I, you know, my, if you want to be safe, do it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, it's convenient. But I think our system, it, based on my research, is not set up to handle the significant increase in that. And then plus, when the Democrats attempted to nationalize ballot harvesting in response to the global pandemic, then I think it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, we want to keep ourselves safe, but let's not make America's democracy infected with something worse than a pandemic. And that would be widespread voter fraud, which uh, we know is likely to happen if you see an expansion in mail-in balloting. Well, in New York, that um, that ten-term congressman that was in the leadership uh, lost his his race to uh, another one of these Democrat socialists, uh, and they didn't declare that uh, that election result until a month after uh, the election. So, I'm just uh, I, you know I've got a lot of concerns on on what is going to end up happening here. In the short time we've got left, tell us about this uh, this scheme that they put in place called granny farming. Farming. Granny farming. Well, this is just a, it's a long story. Same in practice. You know, I live in Florida, home to many many retirees, and uh, yeah, it's sort of a term of art that's been coined because while uh, California became the first state to legalize the third party collection and solicitation of ballots, as you noted by in the practice known as ballot harvesting, um, many states have sort of not had laws explicitly forbidding the practice or permitted it in a very limited form. And unfortunately, uh, senior citizens have been the subject of this practice for a long time. So granny farming is when political operatives go to senior citizen homes or, you know, neighborhoods that are predominantly inhabited by senior citizens. And so, you know, they sort of take advantage of people with diminished faculties. And they say, hey, here's your ballot. Or let me help you fill out the absentee ballot request form. And then they do that and they come back when they know the ballot's coming back. And then they basically sort of fill out the ballot on behalf of the senior citizens. So uh, granny farming was ballot harvesting, but just targeted on senior citizen populations in areas in which they're concentrated, in which like South Florida is a very famous example. Well, I could talk about this for the rest of the hour, but I know you've got to go. Eric Eggers, that's spelled E-G-G-E-R-S, is an investigative reporter for Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute and author of the book Fraud, how the left plans to steal the next election. You can get that book at voterfraudbook.com. That's voterfraudbook.com. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. 
Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Mojo So I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the the new woke generation is starting to sound a lot like the old uh, old racists back in the day. Uh, and uh, there's a great video out. It's uh, put together by a comedian, a Canadian comedian. Why are so many of our comedians good ones from Canada? But uh, he's got a YouTube video out there, and I'm going to play it for you now. When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your, Your racial, racial identity, identity is the most important thing. thing. Everything, everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Damn. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them, we both think minorities are a united group who think the same and act the same. And vote the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll back, back discrimination laws so we can hire based, based on race again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. Hey, tell them what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. Been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dating. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being pranked? Did Boomer put you up to this? Ugh, you know that taco place is white-owned? White people should be making white foods, like Kraft macaroni and cheese, no seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever, and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. Guy segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks, and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. You know all white people are racist. I'm listening. Even if you have a black wife or a black friend group, you're still really racist. You know he just kicked a guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend but if you can promise me he's still really racist we'll consider letting him back in black people should only shop at black businesses i guess the only thing we really disagree about is i think white people are the root of all evil but what did i tell you though if we can narrow that down to a certain group of tiny hatted white people i think we can uh. come to an understanding technically i don't consider jewish people white neither because- do i uh. <laughs> oh man that is that is gold right there gold baby so and the House of Representatives, uh, somebody else is calling the uh, the new wokesters out on their hypocrisy. None other than uh, Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert has uh, introduced a House resolution that would ban the Democrat Party because of their so-called loathsome and bigoted past. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi had uh, uh, the portraits of four previous Speakers of the House removed from the Capitol building. And not, nobody in the mainstream media ever pointed out that all four of those those former uh, speakers that had been fought for the Confederacy were, in fact, Democrat. Well, Gohmert's uh, resolution, it doesn't stand a chance of passing, but uh, it, it certainly calls out the Democrats on their hypocrisy. Uh, is to ban any political organization or party that has ever held a public position supportive of slavery or the Confederate States of America. That, of course, is the Democrat Party. It calls for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to remove any items that names or symbolizes or mentions that political organization or party that supported slavery or the Confederacy from the U.S. 
Capitol's house wing and all of its office buildings. <laughs> Gomer said a great portion of the history of the Democrat party is filled with racism and hatred. He says people, since people are demanding that we rid ourselves of these entities, symbols and, and reminders of the repugnant aspects of our past, then the time has come for Democrats to acknowledge their party's loathsome and bigoted past and consider changing their party name to something that isn't so blatantly and offensively tied to slavery, Jim Crow, discrimination, and the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, man. That is beautiful. He's got some co-sponsors, Andy Harris of Maryland, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Randy Weber of Texas, and Jody Rice of Georgia. Now, this is uh, if, if the Democrats are going to be true to their new ideology, their new woke religion, how could they possibly oppose this bill? They can't continue on. I mean, they're pulling down statues of every historical American figure that uh, was tied to slavery or hell, plenty of them that were never even tied to slavery because of their supposed past sins. Well, the Democrat Party is the walking, talking embodiment of slavery and the Confederacy and Jim Crow and segregation. So, yeah, we need we need more uh, we need more resolutions like this. You think you'll hear about this resolution on the network evening news or on CNN or MSNBC? I kind of doubt it, but it's going to get a lot of traction on social media. This is a thing of beauty. Well, that takes us to the end of another week of Right Now with Jim Dawes, and I hope you'll come back here again on Monday and join us right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. I look forward to talking to you then. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.